Welcome back to the Junkyard Dogcast, everybody. I'm Jake Rowe with Dogs 24-7. With me, as always, are Kip Adams and Rusty Mansell, also of Dogs 24-7. And we got a lot to talk about today. we got a lot to talk about this week. It's Notre Dame week. We've got three shows this week. We're going to talk about that later on. Uh, Georgia's coming off a 55 to nothing win over Arkansas State, a, a performance, a dominant performance I don't think any of us saw coming. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about Georgia's wide receiver situation uh, as the Bulldogs at some point on Saturday were, were having to go with six scholarship wide receivers and, and kind of deal with things that way. And we're also going to get to a little bit of Notre Dame stuff. We've got plenty planned for you later in the week, but we're going to get a little bit going tonight. Uh, but before we do, uh, and actually, you know what, let's, let's, let's don't do the pleasantries and, 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 you know, play around with it. Let's jump right into it. Rusty impressions of the Georgia, Arkansas state game, 55, nothing dominant start to finish all three facets of the game. What, what were your thoughts? I mean, very impressive and me not going to sugarcoat it. Um, I, I'll tell you right now, if Arkansas state plays Murray state, they would beat them five out of five times. Um, you know, I think Georgia was well prepared. That looked like a very, very um, focused team to me. They didn't give Arkansas State a second to breathe, a glimmer of hope. They got after them from the first play until the end. And, you know, Barton Simmons says this a lot. And it really, yesterday was a prime example. Georgia's kind of that boa constrictor team. When they wrap around you, they will suffocate you. And, and just wear you down until it's over. And uh, yesterday was a was an impressive, impressive performance, especially from the secondary uh, point. We knew, we felt like that Arkansas State was going to work the corners. They are very up-tempo, very fast-paced team. It's hard to stop anybody that has Division One athletes completely in an up-tempo offense. They're going to get chunks of plays here and there. You just got to slow them down when you get on their side of the field, that type of thing. Georgia just smothered them. I mean, they just from blanketed their receivers. Every throw was contested. Uh, very few free routes running around. I'm telling you now, you know, I, I'm the I'm the Vince Dooley of the board. I mean, I give everybody – Georgia's going to always have a hell of a game no matter who they're playing. But, but I'm telling you, man, that was an impressive, impressive performance. Uh, probably won't, don't want to take way too much. But when you look at a team, in my opinion, that, that looks to be focused, and that kind of goes to leadership in the locker room, because I know Kirby Smart and those guys preach that all week. But that's the type of thing with those upperclassmen, Jake Fromm, J.R. Reed, and all those those type guys have that team focused. I was very, very impressed. They beat a pretty damn good Arkansas State team, and they beat them bad yesterday. Yeah, they knocked them around real good, and and it started. For, I was I was impressed, and and I don't know, Rusty, if if you kind of got this vibe. Noon kickoff, big game the next week. Georgia sure. to, comes out and takes control right away. I mean, yeah. no no messing around like they did against Murray State. Uh, and and really, to be honest with you, I, I would have expected this kind of performance against Murray State. Sure. But to to jump all over them like that, I mean that that was something I didn't really see coming. I, I really thought. Slow start, suffocate them later on. Suffocate yeah. them for four quarters. I mean, and I, and and I and we watched. We all have friends, and we watch social media. I had never seen that many Georgia tickets in the last couple of years all over the place. I mean, they were floating around everywhere. And I'm thinking, man, this, you know, the fan base is looking toward Notre Dame. You know, is the team looking toward Notre Dame? Where are they at? And 
they answered that bell immediately. A uh, very impressive performance for Georgia. Absolutely, and Kip, you you had a a you had a bead, and and I thought you you know had some really good points early on in our game thread about Arkansas's defensive line. You pointed out on our previous podcast that. Uh, that that Georgia had struggled with with athletic defensive fronts and defensive fronts that were twisting and moving, and and Arkansas threw some exotic looks at Georgia. Georgia handled it real well. What was kind of your impression, not not just of that, but but the entire game as a whole? Well, first off, yeah, I, Arkansas State features one of the I think one of the more physically talented defensive linemen Georgia's going to face th- this year in uh, Forrest Merrill. A guy that came into this game, I think he had about 15 tackles. Uh, he had multiple sacks and tackles for loss. And and as I posted in the thread, I mean, he's he's listed at 6'1", 335 pounds. And as you mentioned, I mean, he's he's a he's a fire hydrant out there. So it, it definitely presented a challenge for George. And I think two things kind of stood out to me in that aspect. I think they game planned really well. You know, they had this they were showing them different, you know, different combo blocks on, on every drive and really uh, liked what they did whenever they were they were sending uh, Ben Cleveland and Cape Mays both at them when they were trying to get to run to that side. And then at the same time, I was really impressed with, with Trey Hill this week. I, I thought that, you know, he took a step in the right direction there, uh, especially in pass protection. You know, just just being able to to handle him. You know, one on one to multiple draws in the game from the plays that I watched. I would go back and kind of watch each drive just to, to see, you know, what they were doing with him. And, and more often than not, you know, they were they were giving Trey the opportunity to, to play him one on one. And I, I thought he did, re, you know, really well against him. And it, it, it's impressive to see just uh, how, how the line, you know, just how they're playing right now. I think really. Cade Mays has kind of established himself as a guy that'll do whatever you need him to do. And I think him and Ben Cleveland on that right side, they've kind of hit their groove right now. And it's really allowing Georgia to do, you know, open up the whole playbook and be able to do everything. So that that really stood out to me. I thought they played him really well. Uh, and then on, on the other side of the ball, I think you really start to see this, you know, this defense under Dan Lanning, what they're able to do, I think, the, the one thing we've talked about Havoc plays all offseason, that's been the, kind of the focus. But really, you know, what's allowed them to kind of open that up and, and really, uh, you know, get get some success there is 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 that secondary. You know, they, they're putting these guys out on an island. And Rusty mentioned it before the game that, you know, he had heard that Arkansas State thought that, you know, with the receivers they have, uh, some big physical guys, they're going to be able to kind of test Georgia's secondary. And that's exactly what they did. And then they threw right at Tyson Campbell. I think he had like five, six balls thrown his way. And he batted three of them away and, and didn't allow a single a reception that I saw. And that's really what stood out to me on defense is, one, Tyson Campbell's play in year two. When we had talked about him you know, potentially having to you know fight off guys wanting to to get that starting spot opposite Eric Stokes. But I thought he really had maybe his best game. Uh, you know, in college to date and, and what that really allowed Georgia to do, you know, that entire secondary playing well in Maine when they're asked to is 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 to start being aggressive and, and, and dial up, you know, some guys coming downhill and, and, and to great success. This is a, a, a young group of guys, a, 
bunch of guys that you know weren't on this team a couple of years ago a lot of them and and they're bringing production you know i made that bold prediction about georgia's uh sack rate at the end of the year being potentially in that top 20 after being what 121st last season and i mean again we're only three games in but right now georgia's sitting at number nine in the country they're averaging four sacks a game they had four sacks in this last game and so they're, you know, they're affecting the quarterback. They're able to get some success there, and that, you know, that that really allows you to do, you know, that to have a very high success rate defensively when you're able to ask your secondary to to cover man, or you know, or, and to be out there now, and and for them to play at the level they did. I mean, other than, I think Devon Wilson got beat bad, pretty pretty uh pretty bad one time, but the guy didn't he didn't come down with the ball, so they got kind of lucky there. But those receivers weren't able to get any separation. And when, as a defensive coordinator, once you realize that, that you can kind of play some lockdown coverage, I mean, that it gives you all the confidence in the world, I would imagine, and allows you to, again, be as aggressive a, a, as you want to be. And, and as Rusty said, I mean, they smothered them. And, uh, I mean, it looked, looked pretty good in all facets of the game. I think they still had another uh, five penalties uh, for about 40 40 yards again, I think. So that, that, that's kind of that one facet of the game where I think Kirby Smart would love if uh, if they were able to clean that up and going into a big game. But again, with a young team, that's, that's probably just one of the things you're going to have to deal with and hope that as the season goes on that they kind of just continue to uh, gain some experience and get better in that area. I, I can say this. I, I didn't see it coming. I, I and I know I just said that earlier, but I but I I really didn't see it coming quite like this. I, I felt like, and I said going in, I said that if Georgia was going to dominate this game from start to finish, they had to play well in a couple of key areas. One of them was on the offensive line. The other one was in the defensive backfield. You just hit on both of those points, and those two groups really came to play. Um, when you play a a team that that likes to throw the ball and executes at such a high clip like Arkansas State does, you're usually going to have – there's usually going to be four or five, six plays in a game where they've got an opportunity to bite off a chunk of yardage against you. I really only counted two uh, on, on Saturday. They converted on one over at mere speed. I believe it was in the fourth quarter. And then they had another one uh, that, that, that you mentioned about with Devon Wilson, and that was pretty much it. And one of the things, and, and I, I, I get to watch this team practice a lot. I get to watch the defensive backs and the drills they go through a lot. One thing I want to talk to the to the casual Georgia fan about, because I've brought this up on the, at the site, I, I wrote about it after the game, is you have so many people trying to be hard on the Georgia's defensive backs, namely Tyson Campbell, because they don't get their head around when the ball's in the air. I want to take you back to 2003. Georgia hits a big screen pass, 93 yards against LSU to take the lead late in the game. And then Tim Jennings, who I, I can't remember if he was a freshman or a sophomore at the time. He, I think he may have been a freshman. Uh, he's He's got Skylar Green in man coverage on the ensuing drive. And he gets his head around to look for the football. He gets his head around to look for the football a little too quickly. Skylar Green separates, for, from, separates from him uh, behind him, catches the game-winning touchdown pass. A lot of these defensive back coaches, and Nick Saban is 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 big on this. Jeremy Pruitt was big on this. They don't want them to take their eyes off the guy they're covering because that guy can get away from you if you're not watching him. He can he can cut. He can he can accelerate. He can he can do a lot of different things. 
And Georgia is taught to play the man, read the eyes, read the hands, get your hand in there before the ball gets there, or make it a bang-bang play. And and that's what it's all about. And, and you could see Tyson Campbell playing that technique, not just with the ball in the air, but from the time the ball was snapped on Saturday. And, and I think that they felt like they had a really good chance of playing it that way. Because, listen, Georgia's defensive backs are really fast. They're really big. I mean, Tyson Campbell, sprinter. DJ Daniel, sprinter. Tyreek Stevenson can fly. We all know Eric Stokes can run. And that's why they play those things that way is because they can make up a lot of ground even if they do give up a little bit of separation as long as they, they know where they've got to go and when they've got to be there. And, and that's a big part of it. And and uh, you know, But I, I'll say this, too. Um, and we're gonna. This is, I guess, this provides a really nice transition to the next topic. Georgia's wide receivers in every single facet of the game on Saturday blew me away. From from Lawrence Cager's ability to throw three touchdown springing drives, I mean, uh, blocks. Uh, 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 Dominic Blaylock in the game he had the first 100 yard game in over a year since Miko Hartman did it in week two of last season. Uh, you had uh, you had George Pickens with two more wow catches, and and I don't know if folks know this, but Jake Fromm said after the game that on the 32-yard pass that he threw to Pickens the first time, it wasn't a back shoulder throw. He got bumped as he threw that ball, and it kind of came out weird, and it was just underthrown. Pickens just made an incredible adjustment to it. So I, I tell you what, there's a lot to be excited about. Now they're thin, and 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 it can get ugly with a couple of injuries, but, but that Georgia wide receiver core has really stepped up. And, and I, I'd say that knowing that it's been Vanderbilt, Arkansas state and Murray state. And, and I say that knowing it across the board from the pass rush from being ninth in the country in sacks and all that stuff, Georgia should be overmatching these teams. And they are, I, I'm interested to see what happens with Notre Dame. We're going to get to that a little bit later, but I was really impressed with that wide receiver group and, and, and some of the some of the ways they impacted the game without the ball in their hands, I still think Matt Landers has to kind of stay focused and, and really get into the game a little more so than he's been the past couple weeks, uh, get into it maybe like he was against Vanderbilt. But overall, I, I think Georgia's wide receiver group has really stepped up and, and, and played one of its best games that I've seen it play in, in a couple of years against, uh, against Arkansas State. All right, moving on to the receivers. And, and dealing with this topic head on. Georgia's got injuries there, some serious injuries. And, and Rusty, you've got a good beat on the injury situation there. What are you hearing? What do you know? What, what's kind of the vibe around that whole thing? You know, I'll give you my thoughts on Sunday night. Obviously, I think a change on Monday. Um, not expecting Kyrus Jackson. Uh, I, don't, I don't know the time frame on that. But you look at um, – Demetrius Robertson, and from what I heard today, this injury happened last Wednesday. So, Jake, y'all don't have uh, you don't you guys don't see him Thursday or Friday, correct? Right. We don't, and sometimes we don't see him on Wednesday. Didn't get him on Wednesday this past week. So, see, so it happened on Wednesday, so nobody knew about it. Um, now he did dress. I'm not sure he could have went. Talking to some sources, maybe if they got in a very very big emergency. My gut feeling, I want to be real careful with this. My gut feeling is he's going to be okay this week, uh, but we, we will definitely see where he's at. But, uh, you know, for him not to do anything on the field at any point other than pregame uh, kind of tells you where, where George is with him. So, Demetrius Robertson, people are going to ask, 
I'm going to say I think he's going to be back. You have to be very, very careful with a hamstring because the hamstring can very easily turn into what should have been two weeks could turn into four or five. Those don't, those don't, you can't speed up a hamstring. Tyler Simmons, what I'm hearing uh, as of Sunday night right now, um, I do expect him to be back unless something changes. So, Listen, this is very fluid, these types of deals. People are going to ask us. People are going to ask me. So right now, what I'm hearing on Sunday night as we record this, uh, I do think Tyler Simmons will be back this week. Uh, and we'll see as the week goes on how much he can do. Uh, so Georgia could get two very big pieces of puzzle back. But listen, this is not a one game. This is a huge game. I'm not going not to sugarcoat that. This is a huge game with national implications, playoff implications, everything. But – Georgia should have a better feeling for their wide receiver core after watching some of their younger guys uh, perform. And, you know, Lawrence Cager, who's an experienced guy, what he can do. So uh, just want to be real cautious with that. But, you know, my gut feeling is you're probably going to see 87 and 16 next weekend uh, as of Sunday night. But, uh, man, I tell you there, Jake, like like you said, it could get dangerous in a hurry and quickly. Uh, if they have another key injury because they're they're counting on some young guys. And as we get into Notre Dame this week, their secondary is straight-up dudes, including one from Atlanta we'll talk about more this week. Absolutely. Notre Dame's going to have, I think, as talented of secondary as Georgia's going to face, it's, it's deep, too. It's not, you know, Florida's really talented in the secondary, but they're not exactly deep. Auburn's pretty good back there, still not as deep as Notre Dame. And Notre Dame's got some big guys. They've got some fast guys. Uh, they are they're really talented back there. And uh, you know you you talk about the six wide receivers that Georgia went to finished up with on Saturday, and one of those guys got this barely played, and that's Micaiah Tong. So really, you've got five guys who who are ready for you to depend on there, and that's just not a recipe for success. And and I think it's really, really a, a feather in, in Cortez Hankton's cap that they've experienced the four injuries that they've experienced thus far when you throw in Karis Jackson and, and Tommy Bush with Tyler Simmons and De- Demetrius Robertson. They've been able to be as good as they have and, and have one of their better games like they did against Arkansas State. Where you go, Let me ask you this question. Maybe Kip chimes in here. You're Kirby Smart. We're playing Notre Dame this week. You know you're one injury away from being dangerously thin, dangerously thin. Any of those guys, if you were to lose, say Demetrius and, and Tyler Simmons don't play, and then you lose another key guy, one of them. At any point, do you cross train Mark Webb this week to run a couple series? Oh man, that you know that one. That's you know, you know that count that comes out of left field because I hadn't even really thought about that, but that I is- don't. That's maybe maybe you do give him a rep or two, you know, yeah. just because you know how physical and how sure how, uh, he's got some experience in position. None of that's going to be completely foreign to him. Maybe maybe you do give him a, a a rep or two. Kip, what do you think about that? That's tough, man. He's he's Georgia's leading tackler right now. Uh, so we're we gonna make him the uh, is Mark Webb gonna be the the champ Bailey uh, uh, of the team now <laughs> and have yeah. to have hey, the Who, who would have called that one? My, my, my thought process there is what what because I got thinking today I mean I'm not trying to jinx Georgia but they're 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 thin I'm not gonna say anything else about it but what do you do you know and who else can step in and play and you know 
could Mark Webb could Mark Webb step in and give you four series on offense? I don't know, but I know he's a he's a, he's a, he's played wide receiver his whole life. He played it up until what a year and a half ago, so or you know a year and a half ago. So just think an emergency situation. But if you want to bring that up and see what you guys thought. I tell you what, that'd be a heck of a full circle situation, seeing as how the first time he was ever really recognized as a defensive back was when Georgia visited Notre Dame in 2017. And and that would be pretty interesting. And, and you know, like I was saying earlier, Champ Bailey is getting recognized at the game on Saturday, so he, it'll probably be some props from him. But that that is definitely something to think about. And, and, and to throw in there, you know, Trey Hill had to come in on the first series of the game against Kentucky last year. Kirby Smart said after that game that Trey Hill had been working at defensive tackle some earlier that week because they were so thin on the defensive line and they wanted to have somebody ready in an emergent situation. So, you know, sure. Mark Webb has been at that defensive back position. He's been playing that star money position for a couple of years. You might see him get a few reps and and just in case. I mean, just because, you know, you got to think if Georgia gets really thin at that position, they're going to go too tight and, and pound it at Notre Dame. Heck, I think they're going to do that anyway. But, sure. but ultimately, not a bad move. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Now, Kip, you you know a lot about Dominic Blaylock. You know a lot about George Pickens. Um, I'm not going to ask you if you saw this coming, uh, the, the type of game that they had against Arkansas State and, and the kind of impact they've made the last two weeks, but seeing what they've done, knowing the schedule is going to get tougher, knowing that some of the better defensive backfields that George is going to face are left on the schedule. Can they keep it up? It's interesting because at least with George Pickens, I mean, we knew, gosh, we knew the talent was there. It's just one of those situations where, you know, he had to adjust to the, you know, there's not, he's not going to get as much separation against these DBs as he did in high school and, and just adjust to the physical nature of the game and, and having to be able to block as well. But I mean, here we are, uh, George Pickens and Dominic Blaylock or George's, top two receivers you know statistically right now and i think dominic blaylock's second in the sec in yards per catch which is also interesting because again blaylock he came in as a guy that we said can can do everything well uh just get the ball in his hands but again not a guy that you know we thought would test extremely well you know again he's he's athletic but it's just not he doesn't he doesn't bring that like miko harbin type testable you know, qualifiable speed to the table. But, yeah, he's you know, he's Georgia's most explosive playmaker right now as far as the passing game's concerned. So you, you look at these guys, you look at George Pickens, he's everything you want physically in a receiver right now in, in, in today's game. He's got, you know, the the size, the strength, and, and just the, uh, the prototype. I mean, he fills out that jersey as well as any receiver Georgia's had in the last 10, 15 years. And he's a true freshman. I mean, he does a great job just using his hands to get separation. And, again, the 50-50 balls, as you said, I mean, 
Fromm didn't have a perfectly thrown ball. The trajectory got changed, but that's what Pickett brings to the table. He brings that catch radius. You know, he can correct those those little small you know errors if if the ball is not there. He can, he can adjust to it. And gosh, we saw him adjust in that sideline to that ball, and it's one of the most impressive catches you know I've seen from a Georgia wideout in a while. You know, not not trying to take anything away from what Terry Goblin did against Notre Dame in 2017 because, you know, that kind of sets the bar. But it's still one of the the better catches we've seen from a guy. And, and then Dominic Blalock just continues to make plays with the ball in his hands. And, and again, he ran that out and, and uh, got upfield, you know, as quick as uh, as quick as can be expected. And, and I was really impressed with that play as well. But Kirby Smart continues to, to remind everyone these guys are – still making freshman mistakes, you know, whether it's Dominic Blaylock not holding his block long, long enough or, you know, George Pickens, you know, messing up on the route here or there. These guys are still going to need to, to continue to work on focusing and, and the concentration and, and those freshman mistakes that we're usually we're used to seeing halfway through the season when they hit that wall. You know, they don't have that benefit right now. They're going to be asked to – come in and, and play major snaps against a, a top 10 program. So, you know, they're going to have, they're having to age quickly over these next uh, five days, these next couple of practices, but nothing I've seen has really surprised me. It's just, you know, it's happening, I guess, quicker than, than what we expected. Yeah, I think so too, uh, especially just mainly some of the big plays. I think some of the, just the explosive plays that those two have created already, Come, are coming just a little bit earlier than than probably anybody expected. And 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 I'll say this, I expected some of these bigger plays to be made by Matt Landers thus far. And and maybe a few more, and I know he was hurt on Saturday, but maybe a few more from Demetrius Robertson. You know, he got off to a really quick start against Notre Dame, but but didn't do a ton against Murray State, had the one big play. But uh, you know, I, I think that those two have stepped up and, and maybe filled a void that, you know, some of the veterans haven't been able to fill. You know, looking at the big picture at the wide receiver position, I'm going to say this. Let's say Demetrius Robertson and Tyler Simmons aren't available on Saturday. Uh, I wonder if they give Mark. I'm just joking. I'm not. I'm not I was just joking around with that. But, <laughs> but uh, uh, no. <laughs> um, I, I'm going to say that I think Georgia is going to be okay. Now, their backs against the wall completely. They can't have any more injuries. I mean, if. If Pickens or Blaylock or Cager were to go down, or, or Landers or or somebody like that, then it's it, then you know then it gets really really squirrely. I mean, it gets really you know dicey at that point. But I think that they would be okay with those four, plus you know Trey Blunt uh, and and Micaiah Tong and and James uh, Cook's ability to play in the slot, Eli Wolf and and Charlie Warner's ability to split out. I think they'll be able to make do, but but right now, um, you know, I know how important Tyler Simmons is in terms of his leadership. I, I, I listen. I think Tyler Simmons is a fantastic football player. I don't know that he's a difference-making pass catcher, a difference-making route runner, but but his ability to block on the edge, his contributions on special teams, his toughness is very much needed in that offense and. And listen, I know there are a lot of fans out there that are saying, what, what does that mean? Can he separate and catch balls? That's what we want to know. It's not what the staff's concerned with, first and foremost. They want guys that are going to be ballers without the ball in their hand. And and that's what they want. And and Lawrence Cager's shown that. Tyler Simmons has shown that. Demetrius Robertson's shown glimpses of that. George Pickens has even shown some glimpses of that. 
And, and you know, that's what Georgia needs. So they definitely need those two guys healthy. But I do think they'll be okay if they're not. And, and you know, I really – I have a lot of confidence in these freshmen. I just do. I have a lot of confidence in these freshmen. And, honestly, I've said this before. I think that Georgia is going to pound the rock against Notre Dame. Had a couple of big plays they gave up against New Mexico State this past week. Uh, um, uh, Louisville really gashed him a few times on the ground. I really like Georgia's offensive line matched up against Notre Dame's defensive line, and we'll get to that uh, later on in the week. All right, let's talk about Notre Dame. We're going to hit on this before we end the show, and and it basically comes down to to one subject concerning Notre Dame, this Notre Dame game. All right, Kip, you pointed this out to me, and and. I'm I'm not trying to steal your thunder by bringing it up. First 8 p.m. game that we you know you went back and looked. At, how far did you go back and look? Oh, well, I got to give credit to my buddy uh, Justin Hall. We were we were talking on Saturday about that, and he said it's the latest kickoff that that he's seen before. And then he had me, you know, I I got that itch. So I started looking and. I went back to as far as they they showed the time the kickoff times and that got me to 1988. So I, I looked at every Georgia game, every kickoff time for the for the last 30 years, and they had I think three 7:45 p.m. kickoffs in, in Athens, and, and that that's it. That's all I could find on a single 8 p.m. And obviously that has a lot to do with the CBS doubleheader. You know, it's always that Alabama LSU game is always kind of taking that center stage, and I think that uh. You know, another another thing is Georgia. Georgia's only had the lights in there for a little over what 30, 35 years as well. But at the same time, it just there was a time when it just seemed like Georgia, you know, the administration just wasn't a huge fan of of, of the later games. So that you know they they actually pushed for the earlier games. So uh, all that kind of played a role in there. But yeah, that that's kind of what stood out to me is. Is this is going to be the latest kickoff that that we've kind of seen in in, in this era of, of college football in Athens, and I just thought that was just kind of interesting. This brings a whole new dynamic to the game. Brown water will be flowing, that's for sure. The the fire water, as my brother calls it, is that's the stuff that the stuff that you got to drink something behind to cool your chest off is is going to be going down easy come about four o'clock, five o'clock. I just hope everybody waits waits for the brown until the sun goes down because it's it you know there i don't want anybody to get hurt even though i'm sure the medics in athens are going to have a have a busy day but late kickoff we've got this new red led lighting it's a top 10 matchup game day is there george has played in some big games rusty they've played in some really really big games but they've mainly been at neutral sites and on the road biggest georgia game since kirby smart's been at georgia yeah just because of the, the environment game day um the 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 um you know um the recruits is going to be there everything around this you know i'm a big proponent and it's not a popular opinion of mine i'm a big proponent of taking the game out of jacksonville because of the simple fact of georgia doesn't get to have that quote unquote huge home game uh auburn's always that biggest one uh, you know, South Carolina at times has been a big game, but, you know, we don't play you – know, Georgia doesn't play Alabama uh, regularly, Texas A&M regularly, LSU, those types of matchups. This is by far – let me be clear with that. Because of the Auburn matchup is every every other year, 
this is by far the biggest home game in Georgia under Kirby Smart because of everything that is surrounding it. Primetime, um, the recruits, Notre Dame, first time in Sanford Stadium. Like you guys said, what, 807 kickoff, which will be insane. Uh, the entire country is going to have their eyes on the University of Georgia Saturday night. You get that a lot of times, but not many. And Georgia got it with the Rose Bowl. Georgia got it with the SEC Championship twice. And Georgia got it with the National Championship. They're going to get it again Saturday night where the entire country from, from Camden County, Georgia, to Seattle, Washington, all the eyes will be on that game Saturday night. That is why it's the biggest game at home under Kirby Smart. Tell you what, if you want to compare it to the Alabama LSU uh, doubleheader game, that game kicks off at seven. So that game kicks off at a reasonable hour. Uh, you know, I'm sitting here thinking I'm not going to, you know, after the game, we have to go down, we wait on interviews, we wait on Kirby, do all that stuff, make our way back up to the press box. It's going to be Sunday before I get back up in that press box after that game to, to write what I've gotten. So it's, I mean, it's, it's going to be late. And like you said, everybody's eyes are going to be on it. I mean, it's going to be, it's going to be 5 PM on the West coast when, when this goes down and you know, there's a lot of West coast interest in, in Notre Dame for sure. And there's growing West coast interest. Yeah. I mean, shoot, Georgia alumni are all over the map. So I'm sure there are plenty of Georgia fans out there. There's going to be a ton of interest in college football fans with college football fans in general with a network TV game and a top 10 matchup in game day that they'll get that kind of all that stuff going too. So I, I'm with you on that. I think it's by far uh, the most, uh, the, the most, the biggest and the most hype game uh, that, that Georgia has played at home under Kirby smart. And, and that goes for both of the Auburn games that he's had a chance. You know, one of them, they upset Auburn. The other one, uh, you know, last year was, was a big game, big time environment, a lot of recruits, but I believe it's going to end up paling in comparison to this one record crowd, all well, that stuff. There's, there's a lot. One other thing too, Jake, and, 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 you know, we don't talk about it much, but you, know, you take Georgia, Alabama, SEC championship, people West of Mississippi is not watching that. They're tired of watching that. People right. are tired of watching Alabama, Clemson. People are tired of watching Alabama and Georgia, regardless of what you think that that's, you know, in the South, nobody has a problem with it, but you go out, Texas, you got this Georgia Notre Dame game is going to bring the Chicago market in. It's going to bring the Denver market in. It's going to bring all of those those markets are going to watch Notre Dame play at an SEC school like Georgia. So that is the flavor. That is why everything is rolled up into one, in my opinion, the biggest home game ever under Kirby Smart so far. Yeah, and, and this isn't an ESPN game. It's not a cable television game. It's a network game. And, and I know that doesn't mean what it meant at one point. But but that that's going to play, play a role in it, too. This one's going to be on CBS. Kip, uh, before we close it up, what kind of what are, what are your thoughts on it? You on the same page? Completely agree. I mean, just the fact, again, I know Kirby would, would scoff and give me the, the death stare if I mentioned this as being a factor in, in this discussion, but they haven't had college game day there in six years, you know? So that alone just means that the country sees this, I mean, as, as the biggest game this week and then the biggest game, you know, ESPN named it the biggest non-conference game of the year. And then, you know, now that you're looking at the schedule, I didn't know this before, but this is the only regular season game between two teams that made the college football playoff, you know, in, in one of the last two years. So just the, the matchup, 
is seen as almost, you know, it's it, it's got that playing game type uh, feeling to it that, you know, this is whoever comes out of this this game with a win is going to have that, you know, the biggest notch on their resume, which we we all know now uh, in December is, is huge because they're all fighting. There's more there's more teams wanting that, you know, the third and fourth spot, you know, than there are spots. And, and so this this is that chance to kind of uh, build that resume and put yourself in good contention for that. So I think just, again, the history of this game, and we haven't even really talked about that, is it was huge going up there in, in 2017, all the Georgia fans that, that went up there to South Bend and, and had that kind of takeover that first time these two teams had played since Georgia won the national championship in that Sugar Bowl. And then, again, we, we look at last year, and you know there were some players that were – tweeting about Notre Dame making the playoffs. Uh, I'm sure there's plenty of Notre Dame players and Georgia players who have not forgotten about that. The fact that Notre Dame got in, Georgia did not. So I don't want to say bad blood, but I'm just going to say, you know, these two teams are itching to to suit up for this game. And so it just, it's all building into that kind of that, you know, that perfect storm uh, of, uh, this is an anticipation of these guys. I mean, coming to Athens for the first time and just the history, although it's a very short history, but I mean, the history between these two programs, it, it, it's just, it's just huge for the Georgia program. I think there's no doubt this is the, the biggest, at least home, obvious home game of Kirby Smart's career to date. I tell you what, these two teams may have only played two times in the history of their programs, but two instant classics, they're batting a thousand as far as that goes. And we're going to have all that covered for you. I'll say this, and I'll end it all on this. All, but for, with all reports from when Georgia visited Notre Dame in 2017, Georgia's fans were treated incredibly well in South Bend. Uh, Notre Dame fans were awesome. Most people, almost everybody I've talked to came away from that with a really good experience, a really good experience to South Bend. I want to encourage people, as an Athenian, as somebody who lives in the area, who, who lived in Athens for a while, live right outside of it now, I want to encourage everybody who's going to be there to, to return the favor, to do the same thing, to, to give Notre Dame's an excellent you know, environment because you know no matter how big of a, of a jerk you are to somebody before the game, it's not going to impact that game. So you might as well just, just suck it up, be good, have a good time, let everybody get in there because you're going to be big Notre Dame fans after this game. Uh, because Notre Dame goes on to, to win them all after that and finish 11-1. and one. That's a big notch on Georgia's resume. Great point. Great point. All right, guys, that's all we got for today. We're going to be back two more times this week. All right, we got three shows this week because we only did one last week, and we wanted to gear up and, and, and really you know charge up for this one. So we're going we're gonna to be coming to you three times this week. We're going to talk heavy recruiting midweek uh, in our second show of the week, and then we're going to go – all in on Notre Dame in the third show of the week and, and really discuss the Fighting Irish and, and the matchups and the key players and the guys we expect to break out and predictions, all of that stuff. Stay tuned to us. Uh, keep us keep it keep your eye on that, you know, that iTunes or, or wherever you get your podcast because we're gonna be coming back two more times and we're excited about that. But for this show, I'm Jake Rowe with Dogs 24-7, Kip Adams and Rusty Mansell of Dogs 24-7, and this has been the Junkyard Dogcast. Take it easy.